Welcome to this week's episode of the Tyson Pre-Show. I am so glad you decided to join us this week. This is part two of the World War II battle, the battle for the castle of Itter. It is probably the oddest, strangest battle in all of World War II or any war for that matter that I've heard of. And I'll dive into that in just a minute with my guest, Richard Harvey. But before we get to that, I want to thank you for listening. I want to invite you to reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. If you've got a question, if you're looking for a life coach, or if you would like to join a group of entrepreneurs who are starting their side hustles and their side businesses, growing them so that they can then move on from the regular nine to five job and do what they really, really love. Reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Would love to help you get uh, get that going or any other area of your life as well. Well, with me today again for part two is Richard Harvey. Richard, welcome. Thank you so much. It's always so much fun. <clears throat> it is. I really enjoy having you on. I went back and listened to last week's episode and um, just just enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed having you on. So again, thanks for being on. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So if you're just tuning in, this is part two of a two-part series on the Battle of the Castle of Itter in World War II. I'll just give you a brief, brief synopsis, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's. And what Richard and I are going to do is draw lessons, probably more specifically leadership lessons out of this battle. So go back, listen to last week. Um, if you want more detail, I'm going to recap it now. So essentially what happens is there's a castle in Austria. There's about four days left of World War II. And the Nazis have <clears throat> essentially surrendered to the United States. Um, and so the Nazis in the United States <clears throat> are in this castle with some civilian hostages one of them being a tennis player, a couple of them being former French prime ministers. <clears throat> and the Nazi SS um, are attacking the castle. And so, long story short, the Nazis inside the castle, <laughs> along with the Americans inside the castle, decide to team up against the Nazi special forces that are getting ready to raid the castle. And... Uh, Cap Captain Lee, who's in charge of the American troops and the Nazi troops, climbs up in the tower, gets an assessment of the SS that's attacking the castle. And there's a, I guess, a famous tennis star, a French tennis star, who's also a hostage. And he volunteers to um, sneak out of the castle and go get more help and help direct more American Sherman tanks and troops that are on their way. So he goes and he that tennis star gets those uh, American troops and brings them back to the castle. They route the SS troops and the United States and the Germans have a successful win defending the castle of Itter against none other than the Nazis. So that's it in a nutshell. Richard, do you have anything that you want to add to that? No, it's just how uh, just absolutely bizarre that the story is it, to hear it again. It, it seems just, bizarre all over again the, I, but i as i said last week the uh i love the tennis star saves the day uh 
uh, we'll probably get into a little bit more on, I think uh, you have a little more background on how exactly he saved the day. I think that story's very interesting, but there's so many, so many uh, wrinkles and, and unexpected twists and turns in this story that it's just, it's almost criminal that we uh, weren't <laughs> taught this in oh, school. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and to your point last week, you're like, why hasn't anybody made a movie out of this? Um, I did a little research, by the way. Okay. Um, there is a movie, I guess, that is semi-based on this. All right. Um, it's called The Last Battle. And um, hmm. yeah, so uh, you might do a little research there. Um, is it modern or is this something that's older or do you know? Um, I believe it's, I believe it's older. Um, okay. I'm kind of scrolling through now looking at IMDB's website for this. Um, and it looks like it's, looks like it is um, older. I think. Um, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. I stand corrected. According to IMDB, it says it is in pre-production. Oh, fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I got to see this now. Um, well, so, we just spoiled that movie <laughs> for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, it says I am, unless I'm reading, if, you know, if I'm reading this page correctly, it says pre-production. So, which could um, mean anything that could mean 10 years from now. If I was, it's an yeah, eye, a glimmer in some director's eye right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I guess it's called the last battle, which I think technically this was the last battle. It would seem like it would be. Yeah. And the war ended. Hitler's already assassinated himself. The war ends in four days officially. So it's right in between Hitler's suicide and the official end of the war. So. Is that what it's called when you kill yourself? Do you assassinate yourself? Did I say that? I do. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess technically, yes, you do assassinate yourself. Yeah. Right? Do you have to not expect it to be considered an assassination? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And that's probably a conversation <laughs> for a different podcast <laughs> or a different time. Um, so, yeah, you know, when you think about. Um, you know, Lee, the commander getting on top of the castle tower and really being exposed to the Nazi SS, you know, their, um, their special forces unit so that he can get a better view for his soldiers. Um, mm. you know, taking as the leader, taking on the grunt work, right. Um, Billy, being willing to be vulnerable as a leader yeah um, to say i don't know um i'm going to go up here on this tower and i'm going to do the search you know he's not <laughs> he's not sending out a private or an eight, 19 or 18 year old kid he's going up to the tower himself with his own binoculars to scout out the situation yeah well and he also knows that if he sends someone else out to do that job then it be and it becomes a task that they're assigned to do that they may just pop their head up and go, Hey, we're good. Um, so he wants to make sure that it's done, you know, correctly. And that he offers the best case scenario of safety for his people. So he yeah. goes there himself. I think that's important to, to point out yeah. too. Um, putting himself at the greatest risk 
by being, um, you know, at the, at the, uh, making himself the easiest target, um, going up there, but also having to dedicate himself to surveying the land to know exactly what his situation looked like. Um, right. You know, he had yeah. to have that clarity himself, uh, yeah. and couldn't really couldn't take somebody's word for it at that point. So, um, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Well, one of the things that, that I know that I've said a lot is, and I think this reiterates that because he is, um, he is really following, um, you know, in a stay with me on this. He he's, he's following rather than asking somebody else to do it for him. He's picking up that, you know, picking up that duty, if you will, and saying, I'm going to do it. Um, he's, he's leading, I guess, by example, you could say. Um, and one of the things that I did a little bit of background about captain Lee beforehand. And one of the things that I learned is that he was, he was a good soldier coming up the ranks. Um, which tells me something that I want, I think we all need to understand. And that is good leaders first make great followers. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've got somebody think, man, I think they might have great leadership potential. Well, are they following? Well, you know, are they, are they trying to do the little things? Well, are they asking for advice, asking for you as a leader to come inspect their work? Um, if you think they're going to make a good leader, they have to first be a great follower and everything that goes along with following. So do you want to add anything to that? No, that's really good. Um, and, uh, you know, it, something in the military that you can um, determine a little bit easier than perhaps, well, it seems that it's a little more clear cut than it is in civilian life is when someone shows great bravery, you then you know, like, okay, right. he led men into this uh, dangerous situation. He showed great courage and valor and bravery. It's means it makes sense to uh, bring them up the ranks. But when you're not, you know, being shot at and shooting at people, sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to to pick out those characteristics. And also yeah. people will, um, you know, they they may be someone who's good at talking themselves up and selling themselves when actually they, you know, they, right. You know, the, so what are the, what's the saying? Uh, um, uh, all ranch, no cattle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it could be a little bit more difficult to see. You see those times like, wow, that, that person led in a time of great difficulty when there's not going to be any accolades. They did it at great risk to themselves. You, you realize, okay, that maybe that's somebody I want in the, in the trenches with me uh, or mm -hmm. uh, with l leading that group of people, but the life doesn't uh, it's harder to, to, to pull those situations out of life and, 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 and see those as often um, when you're looking for, for leaders. Well, let me ask you this question then. Do you think that I'm going to ask you a yes or no question and then give me your reason why you think that. Okay. okay. This is totally off the cuff and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but you mentioned, you know, in the military, maybe it's obvious 
the person that goes out there like Captain Lee did on the tower, willing to um, be exposed for the sake of his troops, right? Is there a difference between physical courage and moral courage? Why or why not? A difference between physical or and moral courage. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're mutually exclusive. They can both exist at the same at the same time. Um, I don't know. I think it takes that that fortitude and the inward compass to know when to put yourself on the line like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that um, you have to have the moral courage be- before that physical courage can come. But you can foolishly just be someone who's uh, an adrenaline junkie and that can look like courage, but it's just really, you know, doing something out of the, the thrill of of doing it. You know, you're a thrill seeker, but to, to really put yourself out there in something that that's very risky to you, um, maybe not even necessarily a, a, a physical risk, but perhaps a, a, a career risk or, uh, it could embarrass you. I think takes moral courage first. You have to be focused on on what that you know the what the right thing is to do, and you're going to do the right thing and risk the consequences. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's what really sets different leader, leaders apart. Is there's any a lot of people want to take big risks and say, you know, look at the risk I take, even if it didn't work out. Say I took, right. but I was willing to take the risk, mm-hmm. but or are you willing to also accept the consequences? You know, it, it's easy to take risks, especially if you know that you can leave at any time, but what about those who have to take that risk and they know they're going to have to show up again the next week and the next month and the next year. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that takes a little moral fortitude that um, do the average person just doesn't have. Right. That's, that's a great point. And I think, you know, you can have the moral courage, but not necessarily the physical courage, right? To put your body or life on the line. That's one thing. Uh, but, you know, what about that moral courage when your boss says, well, you know, change your presentation to say this instead of that. And you know that what they're asking really isn't on the up and up, you know? Right. Um, I think I think courage is a muscle. And our listeners might disagree or agree, but I think courage is a muscle. And the more you work it, the stronger it gets. Mm. I think, especially when it comes to moral courage and doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to fudge something as small as, Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I pick something that's small to you or whoever, you know, whoever's listening, pick something small. If you, if you're going to fudge on something small, you're not going to have the moral courage or the strength to tell, to tell the truth when, the real, a real issue hits the fan. Right. Yep. Moral courage has grown like a muscle and you have to work it. Now. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you put yourself in dicey situations intentionally to work it, but you have to work the moral courage. Mm, part of mm-hmm. that. Um, and so when I think about Lee climbing that tower, I think here's a guy who has courage, not just physically, but somewhere along the way, he's made the moral decision that as the leader, I'm going to lead by example and do the right thing. Um, And so I, yeah, as I 
read that part of the story, I was like, wow, uh, that there's, there's a leader. Yeah. And I think this is true as well. That courage is, is contagious, especially in those unexpected mm. situations. I don't know that you would have seen your tennis star, um, jump the wall, change his clothes, jump the wall and run into the unknown of the woods. Um, <laughs> had General Lee not said, well, Hey guys, I'm getting ready to go up here. And, uh, you know, if I don't come back, he, he was at a, a spot where he had to have a conversation of, if I don't come back, then here's what you're going to do because he's putting himself up there for snipers. Right. And I think eventually that's what happened. He got a sniper, got him right. Um, no, Lee actually survived. It was the German soldier that surrendered to Lee and said, I give my unity to, to the American forces to work alongside you. My apologies. Yeah, that's no, right. You're that's fine. Right. You're fine. And he got shot because one of the French civilians were armed with machine guns. They found in the castle to fight off the Nazi SS that were coming. Yeah. So one of the civilians got shot and then the German captain went to rescue him and got shot by a sniper. Mm, yeah. So Yeah. But there again, right? So there's another great example of leadership. Here's the German captain who's an equal to the American Captain Lee who climbed the tower. You have the German or you have the Nazi captain saying, here's a French civilian that was shot trying to defend us. I'm going to save him. Yeah. And in the process, he gets shot in the head by a, by a Nazi, by one of his own right. Nazi sniper. Um, yeah. It's just fortitude, fortitude, um, and bravery in the face of fear and sheer evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what else, what else, uh, what did you pull out of this as well? Well, you know, something I don't think that we've touched on yet is that, um, uh, there are times when, um, you know, the obvious lesson out of this is there are times when you, yeah, it would have been, ob they obviously needed to go that other direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that I noticed, um, and that's in regards to this tennis player, I want to come back to this tennis player Yeah, that, that um, I think, um, <laughs> when when the troops inside the castle, the, the Americans and the Nazis and the civilians are fighting off the Nazi SS in the castle, um, and the Americans uh, come, there were um, there were two, I think, um, like two teenagers that were part of the German soldiers. Um, that arrived at the castle prior to the Americans getting there and, um, and gangle, which I think is the German captain uh, who, as we just already mentioned a few minutes ago, was shot for trying to save the civilian. His comment was to these two teenagers, we weren't expecting the special forces. Like he was sarcastically giving these two teenagers who showed up to help um, a hard time. I think they were teenagers mm -hmm. from, the, from the local village. And he says, why we weren't expecting the special forces um, to me. Here's a captain 
who in the most dire circumstances kept his sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> and I think, and even though just in a matter of maybe a few minutes or so, he was going to be shot by a sniper um, and would, would breathe his last breath. He kept his sense of humor. And I think as leaders, sometimes humor goes a long way. Yes. Right? Humor goes a long way for a leader. Um, and I, and I know you used to do stand up, and you're kind of a funny guy. Um, so maybe you can talk to us some about humor and how humor helps with situations a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, just if, if, if everybody can, can laughter is a great unifier. If you can all laugh at, at, together, it, it's also uncontrollable. It's, it's almost, it's like a sneeze, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can trigger that response within people, then all of you are being real at the same time, at that exact same time. And that is so hard to do on any other level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you may be giving a speech that has some emotional highs and lows, and not everybody's going with you on the highs, and not everybody's tracking with you on the lows. But if the room's laughing, you know what everybody's thinking right then. And um, your guard is down, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can sit there with your arms crossed, you know, daring someone to make you laugh. And then as soon as you laugh, the arms are uncrossed, you're ready. You're vulnerable, right? You're mm-hmm. vulnerable and you're open. You're emotionally and intellectually there at the same time. And um, uh, I think that's lost on a lot of people. Yeah. That, that's a way to get everybody together at the same place at the same time to know, okay, yeah. you're not, you know, it's, you can nod and, and, you know, uh, pretend to be in the room with somebody, but if you're laughing, you know, you've, that person is tracking with you and that person is, is with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. This way it's why, um, you know, when I'm teaching a group of kids, I will, or adults, I, I make sure that there is something that they're going to laugh at, uh, at key stages and in whatever information that I'm presenting, mm-hmm. be it, you know, um, geometry or history or whatever it is like i'm gonna have to pause for laughter here and get them all back with me so that i can present the information again and go on from there if they're not laughing then i know that they're not paying attention right or my joke's just funny you know there's there's that but it also is a release (laughs) you know that and and in leadership there's there's often great tension and you need some kind of pressure release that's universal. And the only universal pressure release that I've found is, is laughter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. It reminds me of the story, Super Bowl 23, I believe it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the, if I'm, my memory serves me correct, um, the Bengals had just kicked a field goal, gone up like 16 to 13 or something like that. And <clears throat> out comes Joe Montana, right? Legendary Joe Montana. And he's got to drive his team down the field and he gets in the huddle. And, and I've heard him say in interviews, like he realized like Jerry Rice and everybody else on that team was just nervous like two yeah. minutes left to go full length of the field. They're intense. Um, and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and he's the leader. He's the quarterback. He's the leader. 
So in the huddle, he he stops talking to them and calling out the play, and he looks up in the stands and points and says, oh, my gosh, that's John Candy. <laughs> and he said the whole team looked. When, when the troops inside the castle, the, the Americans and the Nazis and the civilians are fighting off the Nazi SS in the castle, um, and the Americans uh, come, there were... Um, there were two, I think, um, like two teenagers that were part of the German soldiers um, that arrived at the castle prior to the Americans getting there, and um, and Gangle, which I think is the German captain, uh, who, as we just already mentioned a few minutes ago, was shot for trying to save the civilian. His comment was to these two teenagers. We weren't expecting the special forces. Like he was sarcastically giving these two teenagers who showed up to help um, a hard time. I think they were mm -hmm. teenagers from from the local village. And he says, "Why we weren't expecting the special forces?" Um, to me, here's a captain who, in the most dire circumstances, kept his sense of humor. Yes, <laughs> and I think. And even though just in a matter of maybe a few minutes or so, he was going to be shot by a sniper um, and would, would breathe his last breath, he kept his sense of humor. And I think as leaders, sometimes humor goes a long way. Yes. Right? Well, humor goes a long way for a leader. Um, and, I, and I know you used to do stand-up, and you're kind of a funny guy. Um, so maybe you can talk to us some about humor and how humor helps with situations a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, just if, if, if everybody can, can laughter is a great unifier. If you can all laugh at, at, together, it, it's also uncontrollable. It's, it's almost, it's like a sneeze, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you can trigger that response within people, then all of you are being real at the same time, at that exact same time. And that is so hard to do on any other level, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you may be giving a speech that has some emotional highs and lows, and not everybody's going with you on the highs, and not everybody's tracking with you on the lows. But if the room's laughing, you know what everybody's thinking right then. And um, your guard is down, right? Um, mm -hmm. You can sit there with your arms crossed, you know, daring someone to make you laugh. And then as soon as you laugh, the arms are uncrossed, you're ready. You're vulnerable, right? You're mm -hmm. vulnerable and you're open. You're emotionally and intellectually there at the same time. And um, uh, I think that's lost on a lot of people. Yeah. That, that's a way to get everybody together at the same place at the same time to know, okay, yeah. you're not, you know, it's, you can nod and, and, you know, uh, pretend to be in the room with somebody, but if you're laughing, you know, you've, that person is tracking with you and that person is, is with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why it's why, um, you know, when I'm teaching a group of kids, I will, or adults, I, I make sure that there is something that they're going to laugh at, uh, at key stages and in whatever information that I'm presenting, mm -hmm. be it, you know, um, 
<laughs> geometry or history yeah. or whatever it is. Like I'm going to have to pause for laughter here and get them all back with me so that I can present the information again and go on from there. If they're not laughing, then I know that they're not paying attention. Right. Or my jokes right. just that funny, you know, there's, there's that, but it also is a release, <laughs> you know, that yeah. in, and in leadership, there's, there's often great tension and you need some kind of pressure release that's universal. And the only universal pressure release that I've found is, is laughter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. It reminds me of the story, Super Bowl 23, I believe it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the, if I'm, my memory serves me correct, um, the Bengals had just kicked a field goal, gone up like 16 to 13 or something like that. And <clears throat> out comes Joe Montana, right? Legendary Joe Montana. And he's got to drive his team down the field and he gets in the huddle. And, and I've heard him say in interviews, like he realized like Jerry Rice and everybody else on that team was just nervous, like two yeah. minutes left to go full length of the field. They're intense. Um, and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And he's the leader. He's the quarterback. He's the leader. So in the huddle, he, he stops talking to them and calling out the play. And he looks up in the stands and points. And says, oh my gosh, that's John Candy. <laughs> and he said the whole team looked and they all started laughing. Yeah. And it just totally broke down the tension of the moment. Yeah. Um, well, you're, you've, you've been a successful coach. I've been a coach. I haven't been a successful coach. I only coached tw- two years. <laughs> but you, so I don't take anything I have to say here about regarding coaching. But you know that when your team is anxious and mm-hmm. fearful they play well you tell me how they play what happens to the body when there's when you in- introduce fear into your team oh fear into they, the human body the plays that you knew like clockwork you forget them i mean your <laughs> okay, body yeah. i mean mentally mentally you're you're not there um bodily you're you're more tense which means yep. you're not as you're not as limber uh right you're not as free flowing, et cetera. Um, the, yeah, the fear factor causes different chemicals to fire in the body than joy does and laughter. Yeah. Um, which is not, it's damaging for the muscles and the joints. Yeah. And that laughter casts out that fear. And, oh, totally. And yes. immediately your, your, your muscles relax and you're, you're back to who you were. Right. It's, it's like, uh, back in, I wouldn't recommend it now, but back in the fifties, you know, if somebody was being hysterical, it would mm-hmm. slap them in the face. Right. Which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. I can imagine, yeah. but, uh, that's kind of what you want it to do. Like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was being yeah. crazy. <clears throat> uh, that's what laughter does. I think to a team and to a, a, yeah. a, a I, um, team or any, any leadership team, it, it brings you back to who you are. Oh, absolutely. One of the, one, one of my favorite, and I would even say my best bosses that I had in the corporate America. Um, he was a Colonel. He was a full bird Colonel in the army reserves. Um, and he and I were talking one day in his office and he said, let me tell you something. He said, if I had a platoon in the desert and we were going across the desert and all we had was one canteen of water left, we would have a water gun fight without water. (laughs) 
he said, it's not going to be enough to save anybody's life. Yep. Um, and it's not going to, and he said, you know, he was talking about morale at that point would be absolutely desecrated. He said, the best thing you can do with that water is have a water gun fight. Yes. That's good. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is a full bird colonel. What? You know, like, this is yeah. a colonel. like what, what? Um, but his point was exactly what we're talking about. Um, yeah. You, you've got to find as a leader that moment where you can get everybody on the same page emotionally. And like you said, I think you were spot on. Laughter is what does that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that, that's just something to me that when, when I read that he had said that to those two, two teenage boys that showed up, you know, he said, we, we weren't expecting special forces. Um, just the humor in that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the people who, who burn out are the people who don't laugh. Um, hmm. um, they just take the, the task too seriously and themselves too seriously. And I, I really think the, the, the key to longevity in any leadership position is to, to, to um, realize that you aren't as important as you think you are, <laughs> you right. know, and uh, that uh, for and then second is, um, just what an honor it is to be there, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you often take that for granted. Like, hey, what, I, I could be anywhere, but I'm here in this position, and to be able to sit back and be thankful and and find the joy in what you're doing and be able to laugh on a daily basis, uh, or it's just yeah, not yeah. worth it. Yeah, absolutely. What else are you uh, thinking in regards to this story <laughs> and lessons? I want to go back to your tennis player because i think you off offline we had a i think a, a really interesting conversation about the tennis player he has to dress up tell us about that he doesn't <laughs> oh. i was saying in my mind i pictured him dressing up you know in his uh, like andre agassi uh for those who are under the age of 40 that was a tennis player in the 80s uh so i i <laughs> picture him or a pete sampras or jump with their their white shirt and their white you know short yeah Short shorts yeah. and their bandana jumping off, but that's not how he dressed. How how did he dress, Tyson? Well, he put on basically, I guess, for that uh, time period and for that place there, where the town of Itter, uh, he dressed in pauper pauper's clothing. He he dressed poor, uh, yeah. homeless. And, and you said that he had walked into the woods and actually ran into some some German soldiers. SS, yeah, he he yeah, had. He had gone into the woods, dressed poorly, and acted like he was scavenging for food in the woods. Now, come on, right? Like, unless he's hunting mushroom hunting in the middle of a war, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what he's doing. And these SS troops who are trying to storm the castle see him, and they look at him suspiciously. And so he just begins to pee on a tree. <laughs> And, and literally, yes, you can do. read this. This is documented. He waves at them while he's peeing on this tree. Like, and they're like, what a weird, like, you know, and they blow him off. Yeah. Well, I want to stop for just a minute, not to get gross here, but I'm one of those people that have the shy kidneys. So that if I, if, uh, <laughs> or the, uh, if I go into a men's restroom and there's somebody next to me, it's, it's not going to happen. I got to go into the stall to go there. And this guy's like, so He's like, I've got to do this on command. <laughs> and right. I just, I just uh, am blown away by his uh, ability to be able to just <laughs> go to, to 
to go to the bathroom on command in front of the people who could kill him. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> I mean, here are two SS, which are special forces troops. And he just whizzes on a tree, man. This guy I, did not have the shy kidneys. No, he. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to the bathroom on the tree. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, I guess it's at that point where they go, this guy, obviously, okay. He's, he's from here. Uh, this is, this guy's crazy. We'll just kind of let him go do his thing. Yes. Yes. So they let him go. I mean, they just ignore him and keep going towards the castle unbeknownst to the SS troops. It is a French tennis star. And when he's done watering the tree, he goes and gets, uh, the American forces that are coming in as reinforcements, you know, he, he goes and kind of directs them to where this castle is and where they need to go and the bridges they need to cross. And, and, uh, yeah. Um, and, and I think I shared this last week, we talked about it some, you know, when he approaches the American forces, they said, you know, they were, they were overjoyed. They were overly gracious and, and had an attitude of gratitude and just said, you know, what do you want from us as American forces? You tell us what you want and we will provide it. You know, because you're helping yeah. us rescue our fellow Americans. And he said, I only ask for one thing a U.S. Army, um, U.S. Army clothing and a machine gun to fight alongside you. Wow. I mean, he had the U.S. That's, Army go. He had the that's U.S. One Army. Great tennis player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> he had the U.S. Army saying, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. And he's like, just give me a machine gun and some of your camo. I want to fight alongside the U S army. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if, I don't know if, you know, Dak Prescott or LeBron James would do that. Um, right. Yeah. You know, but I think as, know. as far as a leadership principle goes, um, there's times when we really get into our, our comfort zones and people are in, in their roles and they're doing really well in their roles and mm -hmm. it's important as leaders to stop and say, are, but are they happy in this role? I mean, mm. they might be doing really well in this role. Yes. And that might be good for me. Right. But it's, it's my job kind of as a leader to also find um, the, the other areas they may be passionate about. And that might mean them, uh, you know, moving on from what I'm doing or going to help another teammate, or in your case, if it's a church, it might be, you know, going to help in another ministry. Um, but uh you know, if, if they would have just seen that tennis player as a tennis player, uh, right. he he would have, they probably wouldn't have been liberated, right? So I think that just shows yeah. how important it is to check on your team and say, um, have that honest conversation and say, how are you doing in the role that you're in? Is there anything else that you'd like to do or or mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to speak into or or uh, is there is there something that I'm missing that you, you, you're really passionate about that you'd like to? uh yes. to join us with or or whatever it is yeah and absolutely i mean that that helps in so many areas one it strengthens the individual and in that it gives them more buy in two it gives them the opportunity opportunity to grow in an area maybe where they haven't grown like maybe they've been wanting to try a different area of the company or the business or learn a different skill set and now you're giving them the opportunity opportunity to do that um and it strengthens not only the company, but maybe it strengthens the, the team um, on, yeah. a mic on a micro level. Maybe it strengthens the team um, because now you've got somebody that has an additional skill set. Yeah. Um, I think 
I, I hear it too. I hear too many times of people saying, well, I didn't get promoted because I'm too good at what I do right now. That's, that's just, and if you're, if you are a boss or a manager saying, well, we really wanted to promote you, but you know, you're so good at what you do there. Listen, we can all see through, we, we all see through that. Yeah. That, that is, you're trying to let me down easy and just stop. Yeah. I mean, if I was really that good, I would have gotten the position. Um, you know, and I, I really wish managers and supervisors and stuff would stop with that, with those kind of lines, because everybody sees through it. I think, I think we need to give as much as possible the people the opportunity to to spread their wings, to grow, to try new things, and go elsewhere, move up the ladder, or maybe they want to move down the ladder. Maybe they don't want any more headache, and they've got enough, and they just want to step back. Yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack that. Oh no, that's perfect. That's 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 absolutely perfect. And we had a um, in the school realm. Um, this was this place has been a minute, about ten years ago or so, maybe even more. We had a just an excellent teacher. Everybody loved the pleasure of serving alongside this teacher as he was going through his uh, student teaching, and he came upon teaching later in his later in life. Um, so he was, he, you know, he was, he was in his, um, probably late thirties, early forties when he be- decided to become a teacher and he was an excellent teacher and taught me a lot, you know, and I already been teaching for a number of years and I thought, man, I, he's just fantastic. And then he came to me when I was on the board and said, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to be the principal, I think the elementary principal. And you think I, I, I took that moment and thought, but we've already got you're you're an excellent teacher you know <laughs> we we right. wanted this slot to be filled with somebody that's excellent and you are excellent and then you know i thought about it some more and i said um you know you are an excellent teacher and the only way that we would want to move forward is if uh you were an excellent principal and i think you're going to be an excellent principal who can help me find an excellent teacher <laughs> to awesome. do what, what you did there but that's a great feeling to and, but good on him to, you know, he knew that he was successful. He wasn't proud about it at all. Definitely not mm-hmm. someone that would seek, slap himself on the back or seek accolades. Everybody just loved him because he did a great, great job and he had a heart for it. And then he went on to be just an excellent principal. But had he not Ooh. said, you know what, maybe I could do this as well. And had we not said, we're, we're going to take the risk and, uh, and let you be excellent somewhere else because you know you're usually people who are excellent don't downgrade themselves to the next thing they go they're they're excellent because yeah, yeah. They're, they're choosing to be excellent and right, they're doing right, the things right. to be excellent and they'll be excellent wherever they go um mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't work out it's not it's that's not a guarantee but that's just one example of you know a, a time that i can look back and say you know what? i'm glad we quote took a chance i'm putting that in finger quotes because it was never a chance with him um yeah. Uh, and and didn't just say you were great at this. Stay great at what you're doing, and don't rock the boat. You know. Yeah. No. That's a that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I think we need, and it sounds like you handled that. I mean, it sounds like you nailed it. Honestly, right? You're an excellent teacher. We think you're going to make an excellent principal, and we know you're going to help us find somebody to fill your role who's excellent as well. Um, because excellence breeds excellence. You know. Um, I think about all these sports analogies where, you know, I'll 
for us locally, I'll go with, you know, with the Colts. You had, you had uh, Marvin Harrison, who mentored yeah. Reggie Wayne, who mentored T.Y. Hilton, because excellence breeds excellence. Yep. Um, and there's a reason they're excellent. It's not because they know the content. It's that they know it and they can apply it. And then they can, uh, I guess in your case in teaching, right? They can <clears throat> articulate that well enough and communicate that in such a way that students learn from it and they excel, yeah. you know? Um, and then everything else that goes around that. Um, but I have found, and I'm going to throw this out there. It's kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I have found that people that tend to be excellent aren't concerned about being perfect. Yeah. Like that's perfection. Yeah. Perfection is the enemy of excellence. Yep. And when we try to be perfect at everything, I think we cease to be excellent. But yeah, that's, well, you never have the, the chance to fail because you say, I'm going to set myself up. There will be absolutely no failure. We're only going to do this perfectly. And yes. uh, it takes a lot more time <laughs> for one. <laughs> and I think that's what also creates burnout is if I can't come out this smelling like a rose, I'm not going to do it. And yeah. brother, let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of times you don't come out smelling like a rose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and if, if you don't come out stinky, <laughs> from time to time <laughs> you can never really find yeah. excellence yes well what what else from this story lessons from itter what else okay. do you have? what else do you have boy you know i had a lot less last week <laughs> <laughs> had a lot more than um i think i think that about does it for me ty okay <laughs> Anything cool. else I think I'd be stretching unless something jogs my memory here. No, you're fine. I, uh, I actually didn't have anything else. I was just giving you a chance to make sure and get everything in that you wanted to get in. Um, but lots of great lessons. And, you know, I've really enjoyed, and this is just the second in the series where you've taken a historic event and found uh, the leadership principles from it. But uh, I just really enjoyed this. It's just, uh, uh, I love history anyway, but, um, yeah. and, and you pose a scenario and I think, I don't know that, that you can really pull a lot out of this, but, uh, after you, you kind of sit and, and sit with it for a minute, um, those things start to, to come out. And, um, I enjoy having to sit with something, you know, we have a culture <laughs> where we go from one thing to the next and it's easy right. to go, Oh, that's an interesting story On to the next interesting story. But this has been a great exercise in, in reflection, and mm -hmm. forcing yourself to kind of stop and say, take this apart brick by brick and yeah. look at the motivations of the, of, of, of the people involved and, and see all sides of the story. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, it's been a, a, just a real blast. So I really appreciate you um, awesome. uh, going this route with, and have really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. I, um, I'm like you. I enjoy history as well. Um, and I enjoy learning and, and reading. And there's just, there's so much to be learned. You know, King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And man, the yes. more I look at, the more I look at history, the more I'm like, oh my goodness, he's right. Um, right. Humans are also, human. Of course, the famous quote, you know, those who don't learn from history are, are doomed to repeat it. Um, yes. I think as, as in our culture, uh, we let people come and go on our lives. Mm. And when they're gone, I don't think we reflect on them enough. And mm. um, we, 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 we don't 
take the lessons that, that they have and, and really apply it to our lives. We just say, it's sad that that person's gone, you know, depending on where, what, you know, where yeah. you are with your faith, you think, well, I'll see them again. And then you just pass it on. Um, I think it's easy to do that with the people in our lives. And maybe it's just a thing of, you know, being in my mid forties now where yeah. uh, it's a natural uh, trajectory for me to start being more reflective and maybe that's why all of our dads always liked history. I don't know. Uh, you, you really come to a point in life where you realize I don't have it all together. And I certainly right. haven't figured out much. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so it, maybe that's why we uh, start studying history as we get older. Maybe I don't know. Perhaps yeah. it's a glimpse into our psyche of, and uh, perhaps it's, we can say that we are uh, being a little bit more open to uh, uh reviewing our own past but uh, maybe that's over philosophizing and i don't i don't know but <laughs> yeah philosophy is not this podcast but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> at, at any rate uh it's been a a, a very delightful exercise yes it, it has absolutely um i wanted to leave us with this quote by an austrian author which i thought was appropriate he's from austria um the castle of itter the battle of itter was in austria um, Arthur, I'm going to botch his last name, but Arthur Schnitzler, I think that's how you say it, um, said this to be ready is one thing to be able to wait is another, but to seize the right moment is everything. Oh yeah. And, uh, so hopefully we'll find that, that balance where we can seize the right moment in our life and, and own it. As I close out every show with, I say, own it own it. It's yours. Make it happen. Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yep. So that wraps up this week's show. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, please give us a thumbs up, five-star review, leave comments. That helps bol bolster our visibility on podcasting platforms and Reach out to me if you would like life coaching or group coaching, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Until next week, own it. Out.